I'm Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Good Wednesday evening to all of you, or maybe early afternoon, or maybe it's already Thursday. I don't know, just depending on where you are. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this great, great show. Thank you so much also for all of your support. Everybody that watches the show, listens to the show, catches the replays. We really, well, I really appreciate what you do, and hopefully we're doing something wonderful to help you, you know, just either brighten up your day, learn something new, or just actually just connect with other wonderful educators and wonderful uh, creators that are like-minded that maybe someday you can collaborate with, because as you know, that's what we do, connect educators and creators one show at a time. And today, I'm just really thrilled to have my great friend, Natalie. And even though we've only really, we, we worked or collaborated at one time, it was just so cool. Like we just like coincided on so many things and everything. Absolutely. So it's so cool to have you on the show today. So Natalie, how are you doing today? I am awesome. It's Wednesday. So I am like, woohoo. We're hey, there you go. Midweek, right? <laughs> Midweek. It's almost yeah. Friday. So I'm just We're really, really that. excited. So mm-hmm. Natalie, for our audience members, you know, and anybody that's going to be listening, those that may not know who you may be, please introduce yourself yeah. and let us know your context in education. Sure. So my name is Natalie Conway. I live in Oregon and I am an online special education teacher. And I've been doing that for a while now. So since 2014, I'm also an instructional coach for SYS education. And so I help train and support online educators and developing their own curriculum and improving their practice as online educators. So that's where I'm at. Currently, I originally started in Massachusetts. That's where I'm from. So Bostonian at at heart here. And I started teaching in 2005 and did special ed and brick and mortar public schools. Then I taught third grade for a couple of years before moving out to Oregon with my husband. And we've been loving the West Coast ever since. And I just, the West Coast and the East Coast, if anyone listening or or watching has ever taught on both coasts, it is two different worlds. And I ended up kind of stumbling into online teaching once out here and never gone back. Wow. So wait a minute, Natalie, you said you've been online teaching since Mm -hmm. 2014. So Mm -hmm. wait a minute, there's been online teaching before COVID? Right. <laughs> there were actual schools dedicated to it. Whoa, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. So yeah, so we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. So that's something that still kind of blows my mind. I was like 24 or yeah, you know, 2014 yeah. online schools. That that's just novel to me. I thought everybody right? was just brick and mortar and so on. So you moved from the East Coast to the mm-hmm. West Coast. Um it, but you did start your teaching career in the East Coast, you said, you mentioned? Yeah, yep, okay. right out of college. Oh, okay, right out of college. So that that's good. That le- kind of leads me to my question. I'm always curious, you know, all our guests that we come, that show up and, you know, are here. I just, 
you know, and our educators, I, I want to know just maybe a little bit as far as your background in, in education. Uh, was there a particular moment, uh, maybe a particular teacher, a particular experience, mm -hmm. something that kind of just sparked that interest in education? Oh, my gosh. I have always loved school. <laughs> I'm still going to school. You can't stop me from going to school for some reason. Um, I have known ever since I was a little kid that I was going to be a teacher. You know, that was what I chose to play with my stuffed animals. And I'll always just I loved reading. I loved playing school. I loved being at school. Um, it was not necessarily always easy for me. I was a really hardworking student. I still am. Um, but I worked really hard all the time. And the the grades mattered to me, for sure. I was a bit, one of our high school teachers would have called me a grade grubber. Like I, I was always wanted, I wanted to do well. Like if there was a standard, I wanted to meet or exceed it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, that's not quite the goal of education, but I've always loved it. I had um, a really wonderful fifth grade teacher who I remember telling me that I should be a nurse when I grow up because, you know, you'd make a really good nurse and I hate needles and blood and anything that probably a nurse has to do on a daily basis. So I said, no, I don't think so, but I want to be a teacher, you know, and I just, I've always wanted that. When I went to college, um, went to Providence College in Rhode Island and their undergrad program is a dual license program. So you come out after four years, you come out with your license in elementary and special education. And I wasn't initially interested in special education. It scared me. It totally intimidated me. It's just, you know, if you think about, oh, I want to become a teacher. I want to teach elementary school. You Maybe in your head, you're like, I really want to do first grade. But if I get third, I can figure that out, you know, or something like that. You're, you're okay with it. But um, special ed is just such its own world and a totally different animal. And there's always more to learn. And I think when I was first starting out, I just realized I, I knew how much I didn't know. You know, I, I knew that I didn't even know what I don't know <laughs> kind of thing. And it was intimidating, but all of my job offers were for special ed. So, you know, there's a lot of elementary ed teachers out there and there's not as many special ed teachers. So I, um, I wouldn't say I was reluctant because I was still excited about the opportunity and I, I really love working with kids. And so starting out in special ed was just um, a little bit of an unexpected or unanticipated beginning, but one that then I never, never really veered from. I, I taught third grade for a couple of years before we left Massachusetts. And um, I had done so much co-teaching and I had so many ideas for curriculum and classroom instruction that um, the year came where a handful of our teachers retired. I just went to my principal, like, please, 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 can I have my own classroom? You know, I was like, you can give me all the kids with IEPs. That'd be fine. Like, you know, I could be the inclusion class, but which they didn't do. I don't think that's even legal to do, but they, <laughs> they did it. And, um, and it was really, really fun. But ever since then, we moved to Oregon and I've just been back in special ed and I love it. I love the problem solving. I love the level you get to communicate with and get to know families and kids. And, you know, you have your caseload, usually a caseload's around 30 or so students. So as many as maybe you'd have as a general ed teacher in elementary, but um, you just get to know so much more about their, their whole lives and their whole selves as a, as a person, not just necessarily as a student. But so I, yeah, that's kind of where I came from and, and how I got, got here. Wow. So, I mean, I, I love 
just hearing you speak and just going into just you describing your enthusiasm and so on. I just like, I'm like, man, I, I, I want to be in your class. Like I want you to be my <laughs> teacher because you just seem like you're, you're just you're so cool. And I think one thing that I loved was that you mentioned is getting to know your students, building those yeah. relationships. So, I mean, I'm sure that obviously that is very important if you are just in brick and mortar. Obviously it's totally. very important. You know, it doesn't matter which type of student you may have. But that relationship mm -hmm. component is definitely something that really helps at the very beginning, you know, once you establish, you know, that that relationship with your students and then with your parents. Yeah. So now you mentioned you have uh, 30 students. Is that correct? When you Yeah, right now I, I don't have that many, 20, 20 something, 20 something students. And they yeah. are all special ed students. Yes. Yeah. This year I'm case managing kindergarten through third grade. Wow. So I think I have, I think I have 24, 26 right now. 24 and 26 students. And now, yeah. so let's go back to, again, 2014, you've been teaching online. Like, Wait a minute. So online existed prior to COVID. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to top it off, you've been doing special ed online. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. People's minds so, are like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and right now, and when I first heard that, when, uh, you know, I got to meet you and, uh, you know, know who you were and everything, I'm like, wow, you know, that's really amazing that you're doing this online. So mm -hmm. just tell us a little bit about that experience. And right now, like you yeah. mentioned, you know, your caseload is kinder through third grade. So mm -hmm. what is a day in Natalie's life? Well, let, let's say this. Walk us through maybe just beginning of school year. Walk us through oh, what gosh. Natalie goes through beginning of school year. <laughs> just so people can understand a little bit. Yeah. Because, I mean, totally. I mean, I'm thinking like special ed, you know, I know uh, online learning is new for a lot of teachers. And I know that there's yeah. populations that really might have not gotten service the way that they should have. But you know, we can't, I, I don't want to say we can blame all our teachers because this was something that was just new and like, wow, you know, you used to have oh your gosh, students yeah. face to face, but you have been doing this for a long time. So how do you get that to work? Yeah. What What's the magic? Oh man, I wish there was a magic bullet <laughs> or something. It's, it is just so much effort and communication. Um, you know, the start of the school year is a paperwork nightmare. <laughs> That's basically what that is. Um, anyone in, who teaches special ed or, you know, works closely with a special educator knows that they're in meetings and just doing paperwork a lot of the time. So that's part of it, um, especially working in an online charter. So being a school of choice, kids choose to come and kids choose to go. So we get um, some turnover. During COVID, we got little to no turnover, which was great. So we were able to, to keep our kids. My caseload stayed very stable. There are some years, um, you know, you, your caseload might hover around 28 or 30 kids, but there's been 10 or 15 who have come and gone. And for various reasons, I mean, online, the online world isn't for everybody. And I think we realized that with COVID too, that there are some students for whom that's not going to be the most successful avenue for them to, to access education. But for a lot of kids, it is. And typical kind of day for me or, or week is working with small groups and then also co-teaching. So a lot of kids, and I think this is a lesson that we can all learn brick and mortar or online. A lot of our kids with IEPs, they don't need to be segregated 
from their peers. They don't need a separate class. They don't need necessarily one-on-one -on -one instruction or an aid or any of that. They need to be included in a class where there are accommodations happening, where maybe something's modified for them and where people have thought ahead of time. You know, they've taken maybe that universal design for learning framework and they've implemented that within their lessons or their assessments prior. So that kind of thinking beforehand, that pre-planning and, and collaborating with special ed and general ed teachers together. Um, so some days I am co-teaching. So it's two of us in a Zoom session with a class of kids and we either are bouncing back and forth, like just uh, sharing the slide deck and teaching together with all the students or sometimes we'll do breakout rooms. Sometimes we can do stations. So we'll have two breakout rooms in the main room and then we'll rotate through those three. Uh, so we kind of do it different ways depending on the class and then depending on what we're trying to accomplish. And then I also have small groups that I teach on my own. I do reading groups and that is a total blast. I love it. Those are smaller groups of kids and they're not necessarily kids all with IEPs, but um, sometimes I'm teaching the the gifted and talented learners. Sometimes I'm, I'm teaching the kids who are struggling to keep up with the grade level expectations. And it's fantastic. It's really, really fun. And yeah, like I said before, it's, it is a lot of communication. That's, I guess that is maybe the magic behind it is that you have to be in constant communication and partnership with the families. So, you know, if I'm not seeing a student in class or I'm not seeing them perform like they usually do, then it's the onus is on me to reach out to the parent, to email, to call, whatever it might be and say, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen, you know, your student in class or things don't seem to be how they were before. And you just being online, I think the other thing we've all noticed this year is that you really get a glimpse into the students' home lives that you never maybe would have seen before. And um, that can be kind of a double-edged sword. You know, we want to be really respectful of people's privacy and, and what isn't necessarily our business, but then also um, it lets you, it provides you more context for how kids are doing and where they're at and where their families are at as well. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that is... <laughs> Wow. Like I'm, I'm like in awe of what you've been able to do and your experience. And like you said, you know, even stations and doing all of those things. I think that's just yeah. amazing, you know, and just you just seem so cool, calm, collected, like, you know, like <laughs> I've got this, you know, and of course, you know, we know that in education, it's not always like that. But I think no. it's just you just have to, you know, like I always say, my favorite three words are improvise, adapt and overcome. And I think absolutely if, if you can do those, I think that, you know, you, you're going to be pretty, pretty well off, you know, an online education or not an online yes. education. But I, I like some of the things that you highlighted. And I, I know that I mean, I know it's been a year, year and a half for a lot of teachers. And I know it's been yeah. a very tough year. A lot of uh, students just, you know, being absent online or, mm -hmm. you know, just like you said, some some were, are thriving because they just, you know, are okay with, hey, I got my assignment. Let me get everything done. I'm good to yes. go. But then you also have the other side where not, online is not for every student too as well. They don't, mm -hmm. they, they may not uh, get the learning that they need or, you know, obtain it in that matter. Right. Um, but I think in the end, like it all comes down, like, and you kept mentioning, just building that rapport building those relationships, understanding, you know, where the student is coming from. And I think 
that has opened up, like you said, a, a, a new lens for a lot of teachers in this year and a half, because like you said, brick and mortar, I would see my students come into the classroom and I would see them for those six and a half, seven hours while they were there, we were doing code club and so on. But you don't yeah. see what happens at home, what may be going on, all that extra stuff, other than maybe a couple of days when you kind of just see them maybe not being so happy, things of that sort. But right. I think it it gives you, like you said, context and where they're coming from. How Huge. To, yeah, how to personalize, you know, maybe the learning, just being able to talk to them, showing empathy and things of that sort. And, you yeah. know, I'm hoping that that's something that, you know, now when we go back, it's something that we don't forget, that we can definitely keep working with that. Yes, that there are just so many ways for a kid to access whatever it is you're trying to to do with them or teach. You know, like I'll often use um, Pear Deck in my in my live classes because the kids love, it, especially my kindergartners, think it's just super fun. But then I know there are some kids who aren't um, there with an adult. You know, there isn't a big person. I say, I'm like, is there a big person who could help you click on that link in the chat? And like that physical step is really hard for a kindergartner, even a first grader sometimes. So I'm always like, oh, if you're not in the pair deck, no worries. Just get, get your whiteboard out or even just point to the screen, you know, whatever it might be. So I'm trying to always give them not necessarily an out, but like here, here are three different ways you can still be a hundred percent participating in this. You know, you can type it to me in the chat, you can do whatever. So I think as long as we keep that in mind, especially for people who are online this year and are going to transition back to brick and mortar. Like, yeah, how can I change things up in that that setting so that I'm making things more comfortable for all my students? I'm making it so that they all can access whatever it is I'm trying to do. Because it's not like I'm not trying to teach them Pear Deck. You know, I'm trying to teach them initial sounds and CVC words, you know. So mm-hmm. however they do that, I don't care. It's it's the skill, not not the the vehicle. There you go. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, it's the skill, right? not the vehicle. And Save oftentimes that. we tend to focus a lot more on the vehicle. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, recently I think I was reading a, a short article. One of my friends uh, shared with me. She was a, a guest on the show, Shannon Moore. So shout out to Shannon if um, you're watching. But shared a, a short little um, kind of clip on uh, kind of like the law of subtraction where I think oftentimes maybe even during online and during this change in pandemic, we were just piling things on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you kind of have to step back and look back and see, okay, well, what are some things that we can remove? Like maybe some of those obstacles, because sometimes those vehicles or having a garage packed of vehicles like you know, can be, yes. you know, not a great thing oftentimes, you know, and like you said, we, we lose the focus on the skill and we're more worried about the vehicle and how shiny it is. And then the new model comes out and you're like, hey, well, I want that one now. And now it's another learning process for the students. Absolutely. So yeah. now with you, like, and this is where you and I coincided when we were doing a, that, uh, that session, that panel. It's just yeah. keeping it simple. Oh my right? gosh. So simple. Pick something and stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. like just go with that. <laughs> Don't do all the things. I mean, there are, there's so much now, especially, especially since remote learning became a thing. I mean, companies have just made so many products and not that any of them are bad. They're not. It's, it's just, you have to ask yourself why, 
why am I going to use this? What purpose does it serve or, or does it serve me a purpose? And is there something else that I could use that's that's better? I mean, like even in my my own outside of school life, um, we have in the house, you know, those Alexas, you can just talk mm -hmm. to the, I forget what they're actually called from Amazon. And um, we'll play music on it. And, you know, a song will come on and I won't know who the artist is. And so I'll say, you know, hey, Alexa, who is this? And it pauses the song and stops it. And then you have to, you hear it. And sometimes the we call it the robot. <laughs> the robot doesn't know what you said. It says something. And you're like, ah, just forget it. And then it just jogged my memory. And I'm like, oh, I had that app Shazam like five years ago. I'm just going to put Shazam back on my phone and I don't have to interrupt the robot. You know, so it's like, okay, you don't need Shazam and this and that. Like, but just find what works for you. Find what is helpful and, you know, the easiest thing and and just stick with with that. It's not that any of the other things are bad. It's just that less is absolutely more. And like you said, too, on the, the parent family side, especially with technology, you just have to consider yeah. that like, there's got to be an adult on the other end who's learning this in, in reality, right? You know, if you're not a high school student, then chances are, there's an adult there who's facilitating this. And so. Yeah, there you go. And that's a great point there also. So that's really, you know, all great points to consider. And I know, you know, slowly, you know, things, students are coming back and, you know, at least here in Texas, at least what the feeling is, is that the start of the school year should every, everybody will probably be back face to face. So that's something that'll be uh, definitely interesting. And uh, I mean, a lot of us are, are definitely looking forward. I mean, you know, walking the to some schools or walking the schools and not seeing students just, you know, walking next to each other and having fun and laughing and you know, being in class, I know for, for myself has been like, wow, it's been very difficult, but it's also been a learning experience. And like you said, being able to, to learn a new practice, be able to be more considerate of things. So, you know, I'm really enjoyed that aspect of that learning process. And now for yourself, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned this year, you're doing a little bit more of the instructional coaching, and this is a, sort of a new role for you. So talk to us a little bit about that. How has that been going for you? I think I lost your audio, my friend. Let me see here. No worries. It's all good, my friend. No, not yet. <laughs> it's all good my friend I don't know what may have happened but I did lose your audio I, I don't know I know you okay I'm slowly getting you back let's see here I kind of faintly heard you for a little bit there we go there we go let's see yeah now I can hear you we're good. oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah we're good oh live yeah hey it's Stressful. hey that's that's hey, it's a live show and i always tell people hey you know this is live it's what what you see is what you get and you're you'll hear it in the podcast too so it's all good i love it i love it no, now i forget what you just asked me <laughs> oh no no worries my friend it's all good i had asked you know this year you know like you said you you kind of got a new role you know now doing the oh, instructional yes. coaching so tell us how that went for you this year Yes, that's really exciting. So I was joking that, you know, like, like all teachers, I have two jobs. <laughs> so I have my teaching job. And then uh, I have this separate job where I have a podcast and I do instructional coaching for SYS. 
education. And I've loved that this year. So instructional coaching was a new role for me. And I um, did it with another one of my coworkers, Ashley White. She's a super talented high school English teacher and mentor teacher. And we've worked together for a handful of years now. And so we both took on this instructional coaching role. And we're working with the largest online school in the state of Oregon. So it is enormous and we're trying to um, support their teacher leaders. So not necessarily admin or anything like that, but they're, they're teachers who are in leadership roles or mentoring roles. And um, we started instructional coaching on a voluntary basis with them, which was something we both thought was really important that teachers would volunteer to do it, that it would be something they choose and not something that anyone's making them do. And so it looked so different depending on the teacher, which was really neat to observe and participate in throughout the year because again, it being my first year acting as a, a for real instructional coach, it was powerful for me to see that the same things we kind of preach about teaching and working with kids applies to working with adults as well. You know, there isn't this one way to go about it that's going to work for everyone. So there there was a teacher who, you know, wanted to meet every four weeks lockstep and work on her goals and we kept everything written and we had little sub goals and you know all of that and it was very kind of like by the book feeling but good and productive and then there was another teacher total other end of the spectrum who was basically like you're on call for me so when I need you let's meet and then otherwise how about we don't yeah you're very busy and that's fine like let's let's do it however you want and so it was really great that their school didn't necessarily mandate anything specific. It was all very, very voluntary, but um, it was really, really enriching for me to be able to help teachers with their pedagogical practice and then also learning new skills or learning new terms. Like some of them um, hadn't heard of universal design for learning, for instance, or the flipped classroom model was new to them. And so helping them work through that and, and see them be vulnerable and be able to just also unearth some biases or maybe some unconscious beliefs that we have about kids or we have about situations, you know, like, oh, this is a fifth grader reading at a second grade level. So, you know, insert whatever belief you have there about that child. And okay, is that helping or hindering us from reaching this student? Is it, you know, how is it impacting what you do or, and how you do it? Um, so that was really great. And it offered a mirror for me for my own practice as well to be able to see okay what can I be doing different you know I'm asking these people these tough questions or these you know kind of probing questions about their practice and their beliefs I'm like I need to be doing that for me too more often so it was it was a good really good experience I hope the teachers I work with feel like it was as good an experience as I did but um again it was just that relationship building and collaboration I really feel like in any school, no matter where you are in the country, and no matter if you're online or brick and mortar, you have the capacity within that school, you know, like the teachers, the skills, the drive, it's all there. It's just finding a way to bring it about, you know, to water those seeds and, and to watch it grow. Oh, I love that. That's, <laughs> that's often something that I always use. It's that that seed example, you know, yeah. you just plant it and watch it grow. But I love, you know, how you approached the situation, you know, as far as teachers having obviously different teaching styles, but, you know, being able to meet them where they're at, you know, be there, yes. like you said, like you've got those at, Hey, 
you're on call. Like, let me do what I got to do. And if I get into any trouble, like I'll call you. And then those that, you know, are always willing to take any of the help at any time. And, you know, one thing that, that is very true, like you said, it's seeing teachers being vulnerable for them. It, it's something that's mm. not easy. If you're, if they're just not wow. used to having somebody else see them in that vulnerable position, you know, I think for myself, it, it's like, I've always been vulnerable in, in front of my students. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, I really messed that lesson up. And I'm cool. And my, my students were like, Hey, I'm okay. You know, but then they kind of like, Hey, well, you are human. Like you're, you're not just a yeah. robot. Like you do feel things, Mr. Mendoza. Like you, <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course, you know, we all make mistakes, but I think you that's have to normalize too. that. Exactly. You know, and those are oftentimes, you know, uh, it's important, you know, that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to, to feel vulnerable. And there's absolutely, it yeah. does not make you any less of an educator, any less of a person. It's just a human emotion. It's a part of us, but being able to yeah. have somebody to support you and help you work through those things. I mean, that's, that's amazing, you know? And so you yeah. were able to build relationships and that's amazing. It was super cool. It's just, I really feel like, you know, we all do better when we do it together. I know that sounds super corny, but like we do it better when we do it together. Like I've always co-taught. I've always co-planned as a special ed teacher. And then when I was a general ed teacher, like there's just so much value in that. And I think it makes it okay for us to not know. It makes it okay for us to admit where we have a weak point or, and to, to share where we have a strength too. Like, Oh, I'm super good at this. Let me take the reins on this one. Or, you know, maybe one of your teachers is really the idea person they come up with awesome projects or great ideas but the nitty-gritty and how do we you know actually make this a reality that's a challenge for them and so having those partnerships and, and leaning on one another we we preach 21st century skills so much and collaboration is one of them and it's like we have to really just keep doing that too ourselves you know that's why i'm really lucky to have ashley the, the other instructional coach with me because you know when you have a situation with someone you're coaching and you're not sure how to approach it or what the next step is going to be and to have someone to bounce ideas off of. Like, I just, I feel like the longer I'm in education, the more comfortable I get admitting when I don't know or that I, that I need help with something. And, you know, I think you start off, you kind of want, want to be like, I have the answers. I know how to do this. I, I'm trained or, you know, whatever it is. It's just like, there's always something new to learn and, and there's always, another part of your practice to develop and so we're all we're all on the journey yeah we definitely are and, <laughs> and that's the thing about education and and as educators we we never stop learning you know and or no. actually i i don't want to say that you know, i know it sounds terrible but you know sometimes you do run into some educators that are you know like this is it like i don't want to hear any new ideas uh, you know the yeah. mindset is a fixed mindset and I mean, you have, we have all types of educators. And uh, so it's just one of those things. But I know for myself, I, I know it, I'm always continually searching and looking for new ideas and new things because, and, and I think you're right as far as an educator, you know, being able to see things through a different lens and through a different perspective really helps you not grow professionally, grow personally. Mm -hmm. But one thing that you mentioned is very important is we need to model those same skills 
to our students. You know, we, we ask them, hey, you've got voice and choice, you know, you've got this mm -hmm. and that, but are we doing it ourselves as teachers, you know, and you, in brick and mortar, it's like, we work in silos, you know, we've got teachers, yeah. we just, you know, work in silos. And I think one of my uh, great friends who was a guest on the show, she's like, you know, we need to understand that education is about collaboration and not competition. We need to make sure yes. that we, we are, we're rooting for one another. We want, in the end, we want the, our students to be successful, you know, and that's, that's really the main goal. <laughs> It is in all arenas, you know, you don't want the kid just to pass algebra one, you want them to do well in all their courses and be, be well-rounded and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And just creating those experiences, you know, the learning experiences is very important too as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about you now. Like I want, I want, my, I want my audience members, I want them to know, we, we've talked a little bit about your work, your background and so on, but now let's just really get to know Natalie, you know, what, <laughs> what, what, who is Natalie Conway? What, what, like, who is so let's, yeah, who, who is, she, who is she? So, you know, I just want people to get to know you better. So, oh you know, gosh, yeah. first of all, let me ask you this, you know, where do you draw your inspiration from, mm. whether it's in education or maybe if there's a hobby that you have, who do you look up to? Or I don't know, maybe just, yeah, let us know. Yeah. Where do you draw your inspiration from? I think all over the place. Honestly, I, I have a four-year-old daughter. Um, and I think in these past few years, she's really inspired me um, in terms of my work and education, but then also just personally to be an example for her of, you know, someone who's working towards goals and who's trying new things and who's doing things that are challenging. Um, I always want her to see me as in that way, as someone who um, who can do do hard things and who will put herself first um, when she needs to, that kind of thing. So I want her to, to grow up to be strong and confident and independent as well. So she's definitely been an inspiration. Um, the outdoors. I love being outside. So I hiked part of the Pacific Crest Trail last summer. I did section hikes where you just, you know, you go out for a weekend or a night or two and did that on my own. It was amazing. I made it from the California-Oregon border to just north of Crater Lake National Park. If anyone knows where that is. And so that was super fun. And I want to keep doing that again this uh, spring and summer. Just being outside, being in nature is really something that um it's my time to really think and process a lot of things you're just hiking on the trail or you're out camping and you just have nothing but nature and time <laughs> and i <laughs> i actually really like that even an online teacher who's looking at screens all day but um absolutely nature inspires me and and reading i love to read i'm always trying to to read something new and different or learn something um read for enjoyment too once in a while. So um, well, yeah, I, got, I get, I get a lot of inspiration, I guess. I got to ask this and you mentioned reading and mm -hmm. you have a self-imposed reading <laughs> regimen. So let's talk a little bit about that. And, and how did it start? Where, where, how did this begin? So tell us a little bit of, of that. Uh, I love reading. I absolutely love reading. And I got the Goodreads app 
years ago and I had some friends on there and you can do a reading challenge. So you basically it's like your new year's resolution, but just about how many books you're going to read. <laughs> That's like the only kind of resolution I tend to keep. So um, yeah, my sister-in-law reads like a million books. She is one of those people who can read multiple books at the same time. You know, like she could pick up one book in the morning and then read a different one in the afternoon. If I do that, I have no clue what I, what I've read. So I'm a one at a timer, but um, I started just exploring different authors and genres and um, seeing what my friends were reading or, you know, what was trending. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, I can read a book a month. This is great. Oh, I can read two books a month. So last year, I think I read I don't know, 24 books or more. And so I set that goal again for this year that I would read about two books a month. And it's just a way to disconnect from work a little bit. You know, when you teach online or when you work from home, as a lot of people have learned, it's hard to separate. Like, am I working right now? Am I doing something for pleasure? You know, because your email's on your phone or someone messaged you. Like, it's just always there. And so to physically pick up a book or to pick up, you know, like your Kindle or whatever it might be, like you're detaching from work. So that's definitely part of it for me. It's a way to just have some Natalie time and and not not be focused on other things, but just focus on something I want to read for me. And I've I've loved it because it's just I love reading. I love reading for pleasure. I love reading to learn. But just getting my my hands on books. Now, is there a particular genre that you you know, like a little bit more, maybe particular author that you really, really Ooh. enjoy their work. Um, my favorite book right now is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. That was just like, that blew my mind. And I love it. I really like Brene Brown. Anything she writes, I will read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So those two, those two were, were really impactful for me last year. I read, um, those two authors, but nonfiction has been the thing for me, which is funny because I feel like a few years ago, fiction, I was all about all fiction, anything fiction. I really like Marissa De Los Santos. She's um, a cool writer. I don't know that she's super famous or anything, but she just wrote a, a series of books that I got hooked into and liked. And so I, in the past, it's definitely been fiction, but now it's, it's nonfiction and kind of that memoir sort of vibe i guess to some of the nonfiction books okay yeah that's good now, <laughs> let's talk let's talk a little bit like you did mention earlier and i did pick up on this where you know we, we talk about as educators you continue your education now you mentioned mm -hmm. you're still continuing your education or are you continue i am tell us a little bit about that and that journey <laughs> what, what sparked what sparked you to just keep going <laughs> i have no idea i can't stop i think it's like i <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just really curious. That's what it maybe comes down to. Like, you know, my, my undergrad was elementary and special ed. So I already had that um, in Oregon, they call them endorsements. So I had my special ed endorsement when I got here. And um, then I was hanging out with the, the teacher friends who I made and a lot of them had their reading endorsements. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder what what's different about that. I'll go get that then. And so I did a, got my reading endorsement last year. and. Um, I've been in teaching for 16 years. This is the, the end of my 16th year teaching. And um, I'm just so curious about administration now and, and what might be next. And so um, I'm getting my admin license and I'm working on my, my master's in educational leadership now. So that has been really cool too. And just 
another another window into education seeing kind of the other you know the other side of the desk and, and what's happening that way so i think it's really my curiosity that just keeps driving me forward i just want to learn something and so not that you need to get a, a degree necessarily to do that but um that's i think that's where it stems from it's just my curiosity yeah i, I think that that's where you and i and i have uh, other friends i have two other friends that we i joke around with them one of them is bonnie chalette who is awesome she's from louisiana and then uh, my friend uh, Frederick Ballou, who's from Minnesota, and myself, and we we kind of call ourselves the um, expensive paper club collectors. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we just we just continue on, <laughs> like you know, it's like like one wasn't enough, and like now we're like okay, now we've got our masters, and now you know, uh, I know Bonnie and I started our our doctorates, and now Frederick I know is looking for a school to start enrolling in because he's like why not like and, and right. I think it's just it, it just goes with like you said it's it's our curiosity it's we we want to grow we want to like for myself i want to yeah. see things from all angles i want to yeah understand how i can do what i do and take it to the next level and elevate it not necessarily that hey i, I want to be an administrator but i want right. to see things at least through that administrative lens to see how I can help and maybe, you know, in those things. And yeah, I agree with you. It's a lot of it is just seeing things through a different perspective, a different lens, being well-rounded and continuing yeah. to grow in your position and see where that goes, you know? So exactly. Yeah. I just, I always am asking why that's, you know, yeah. if, if anyone who's worked with me knows like, oh, Natalie's going to ask us why, or if we have asked the parent why yet, you know, like, <laughs> And that's just a question I I always am asking. And it comes from a place of curiosity. It doesn't come from a place of like, why are you doing that? It's why are you doing that? I'm just so curious and I want to know how everything works. You know, I was never one of those kids who would like take apart the calculator or anything, but when it comes to a system, I'm like, how does this work and who does what and where does that come from? And yeah, so I think it's just kind of the next. Yeah, I have my master's in special ed and now I'll get my my master's in ed leadership. And I was just joking with one of my coworkers. She's like, you'll get your doctorate next. I'm like, oh, no way. And then yeah. I'm like, well, you know, talk to me in a few years. I don't know. But yeah. like as of right now, no, I don't want to write any more papers. Yeah, no, but I, I totally get you. Like, you know, it's a, well, actually, you know, since I, I have a business degree, and so I didn't go through the College of Education. So I, mm -hmm. I, I was just really good at math and had enough math credits that I was able to become a math teacher. And that's awesome. how I, I fell in education. But I loved it so much. And like you said, I think it's just that curiosity, just the system, the curiosity, working with students. Uh, and I think a lot of it just comes from the marketing background and in, in learning how to sell your product mm. in this case i was selling algebra i was selling science and you know those subjects that i taught you know when i moved to elementary and then now i was just like i i really like technology so let me learn more about that and now in this role you know coming into this role i, I was the only person in in the department that did not have a master's degree in curriculum uh, like you know in the curriculum department yeah so when they asked me where do you see yourself in five years i said well i'm going to get my master's well I ended up getting my master's like uh, probably, I think, what is it, like a year and a half in, you know, so I got wow. my master's. But now it's like, 
but I want to know more. Like, like, mm-hmm. I, I, like I don't aspire to be like a superintendent or anything. I just aspire to know. <laughs> and, yes. a of, and a lot of my friends are like, that's crazy. I was like, I know, but I just want to know, <laughs> I want to know things. Yes. And so I was talking Absolutely. to my wife. I, I just finished my first year in the doctoral program. And I told my wife, you know, I was like telling her, I was like, I got to start thinking what I'm going to do after the doctor. Like, I like, should I go for another one? Or, and then she's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, like, cause I'm going to be bored. Like, I don't know. Like, this is what I've always known. Like just continually learning, thinking and so on. So I told her, I was like, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll just go back and maybe get a second master, something online, you know, that'll take up maybe too much time. And so I I told her, I was like, maybe, maybe I'll get my MBA, you know, and that'll kind of, you know, make my business degree kind of worth it, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah. I wish, I kind of wish education, higher education was more a la carte. Like you could just take classes without necessarily having to be in a program or something like you know my husband's really curious and likes to learn too but that whole like I have to pick a track and then I have to take 10 classes and this thing is like meh to him you know and I I totally get that because it's like even even with my ed leadership masters I'm like okay I'm kind of you know like this class is cool this class I'm not so (laughs) (laughs) I suppose they're all important whatever yeah (laughs) I know like I totally get you I'm like the same way and then I was thinking to myself like because uh, when I did my master's, it was, it was seven week modules, like, I mean, seven weeks you finished. And then now when the doctoral, it's like, we're, we're doing 15 weeks. I was like, what do you mean? Like, where we, we have to do 15 weeks of this? I was like, isn't there a way that you can just take all of that info and compress it down to seven weeks? And mm-hmm. it, I, and I was or telling can't my, I demonstrate proficiency and we cannot yeah, do those things and, and I, to something I don't know. Yeah. I was, and then I was telling myself, I was like, if they would do that, man, I'd be getting like, I'd go pursue as many doctors as I can if they were all online for seven mo- for seven week modules, because like you said, I get to pick and choose what I want to learn and things of that. So yeah. anyway, I think we're, we're cool. just, we're, we're cool that way. We just like to continue learning <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, but Very uh, much. yeah. All right. So Miss Natalie, so what are, oh, here we go. This is the the one question that I kind of shared with you a little bit, uh, but uh, this is one of the ones here that I wanted to ask you. If Natalie Conway could have a billboard with <laughs> anything on it, what would it be and why? Oh, I think this is a good one. I think it would have to be my my personal mantra, which is you can do more than you think you can. I actually printed it out. You know, those, um, I forget what they're called, but they punch out the cards with the alphabet one at a time. Oh, them. yes, yes. I, I know don't know the, what they're called, but I remember what I know. You know those things? Like, they're really yeah. heavy. Yeah. Um, I, I did that for you can do more than you think you can. And we wrote it on the wall in my classroom. And I, I think that would be my billboard because I think everyone needs to hear that. Adults, kids, um, we all can do more than we think. And maybe COVID taught us that in terms of education, like, hey, we, we can do some of this on, online or we can totally change the curriculum and make this something that actually is meaningful for us or, you know, whatever it might have been. But um, that's that's one that just keeps sticking with me. I originally used it when I was training for a half marathon. I've, I've only run Ooh. like one or two of those. Yeah, so not, <laughs> don't get too oh, impressed. Man. But um, yeah, but that's like, you know, you can do, We 
um, Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown, one of them says, you know, we can do hard things. And um, I just feel like, you know, we can do more than we think we can totally. So mm. that's what would be on that inspiring us all. Yeah. And that's true. That's, a, that's so good. And that's always so good. As, oh, it's a wonderful reminder on the daily for all, all of us. And, yeah. you know, again, oftentimes, you know, it, it's amazing. I, I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers and, you know, I was, uh, oh, because uh, we're, we're big math guys and we're watching, uh, I was uh, watching a YouTube video on uh, Joe Bowler and, you know, she said, you know, one of the things was, is pretty much that, like, you can do more than you think you can. And she gave an example of how even sometimes, you know, when somebody says something, I mean, you kind of get that imposter syndrome and you're like, no, I can't, or I can't do it as well as they can, or they, you know, they said I can't. Well, she mentioned where she um, had a, had an experience where, she walked into a classroom and, you know, the parent or excuse me, the teacher asked, does anybody have any questions? She rose her hand up and the the teacher said, I can't believe you don't understand that. And she said from that moment on, she never asked a question in that classroom, never spoke in that classroom. And it was a math classroom. And now, like, I mean, oh. she's one of the, the, you know, elite math, you know, gurus that are out there and being able to teach. Yeah. And, but she went ahead and talked about that. She said, Hey, you know, you could do more than you think you can. And oftentimes, you know, we just need that reminder because, you know, sometimes things like that happen, but I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mine would definitely be my favorite three words, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Those, Ooh. that would definitely be on my billboard. And I think that that's something that, you know, in addition to that, it's learning those three things too can definitely help you accomplish more than you think, you know? So, totally. Yeah. yeah. So we can always it. push beyond our limit. We, we have this perceived limit, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's physical activity in our physical bodies or, or mentally or emotionally, even like there's just always this limit we impose on ourselves for maybe some evolutionary reason. I don't know, but you know, yeah. it's like, we can, we can push past that. And you just for have sure. to do it enough times, I think to realize like, yeah, this is, awesome. I, I'm yeah. unlimited. There yeah. you go. Unli un <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Dr. Brendan Beck, he has a book called Unlocking Unlimited Potential. And I mean, yeah, sometimes we, we, we do limit ourselves. So it's like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, so definitely check him out. Brendan Beck, awesome, awesome guy, great author and just great educator overall. He's wonderful. Uh, now, for the next question here, Ms. Natalie, now, I know that you do have a podcast and you did mention that. And I did share uh, the link to the website where they can hear your podcast as well. But for this time, if you and I were to switch roles right now, mm. all right, what would you like to ask me? Oh, I would like to ask you, what is it that you have learned in the last five years or so? that you think is going to carry you in the next like 10 years? What's, what's the thing you've learned maybe in recent history that's like, that's going to propel you forward? Oh, recent history that's going to propel me forward. That is a great question. I always <laughs> have to, I, it is a great question, but, but actually I would just have to say that what really pushes me and has pushed me this far along is just my passion that I have for education. 
So I know that at least in the next 10 years, I'm still going to be doing education in some way, shape, or form. But I think that that is what drives me each and every day. The more I learn, the the better that, well, more than anything, I, I do a self-check and see, okay, what can I change in myself to provide a better service to our teachers, to mm -hmm. provide a better service for our curriculum department and do what I can for that job, but also how can that impact in a greater way? And that's what drives me. I, I want to see what I can do, whether it's through this podcast and connecting educators one show at a time, and, and but making a difference in education. That's what drives me. I think like in 10 years from now, uh, I'm still probably going to be this enthusiastic about education because it's something that is continually growing, continually evolving, and we're learning continually how to make it better. And I think that that drives me. I want to be one of those people that can be seen maybe as not necessarily like in the front lines change agent, but like that cheerleader to say, yes, we can do it. You can do it. We can all do it. And let's just bring our collective minds together and just put yeah. education on its head and turn it upside down, flip it right side up and turn it inside <laughs> out and all that good yeah. stuff and just make it better. And right now, like that's, that's really the passion that I have for, for what I do and, and what really pushes me to continue moving forward. Like I said, you know, the, the, this, these papers and everything, it's just me continually learning and learning, and yeah. learning because it's not just to better myself, but to better those around me. And that's Absolutely. what drives me. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's I'll, a great question. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, your passion is very evident too. I feel like that's that's how I know. I connect with, with teachers or educators. I think it's that passion underneath. That's why. It's like, that's that's the, the thread. That's Once the that's thread. gone, you got to go somewhere else. You know, yeah. there's other things yeah. to do. <laughs> hey, it's Lainey. There we go. Hi, hey. welcome Lainey. Oh, no worries. Don't worry. You can listen back to the recording. Natalie's awesome. I'm pretty sure that you already knew that. So it's all good. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more here. Like what's next for Natalie Conway? Oh, it's so exciting. Who knows? I, <laughs> I'm going to continue with the podcast, which is really exciting. That was a total labor of love. It's our little adventures in online education podcast. So we'll have season two of that. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to continue working on my master's in ed leadership. I'm going to keep instructional coaching. And yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what my role in education will be in the coming years, but I'm always going to be in education, you know, so that's, Whoa. that's totally it. That's it's my passion working with teachers, helping teachers do a better job helping myself continue to, to learn and get better. So I'm, I'm not leaving education. That's for sure. That's great. And no, don't, we need more Natalie Conway's <laughs> in education. We just need those amazing hearts, amazing servant leaders, amazing educators and amazing, just passionate, you know, educators like yourself. And that's awesome. And, you know, and I did put the link into the webpage and so people can check out your podcast. Thank you. And I was, Thank you. I, I, you know what? I, I just want to say, I love your art, you know, for the podcast. I love the way. Cool? Yes. I love it totally. Like when I went on there, I was like, 
this is so cool. And then, in, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, like that's so Natalie. Like it, it just really fits you. Like it goes so well. Like I can, I, I just by seeing the page, I was like, yeah, like that's, that's Natalie. Like, you know, even though oh, we only so met once on that panel, but <laughs> it's just so great. You know, the guests that you have, the content that you have. So we're, Thank I'm you. definitely excited and looking forward to season two of your yeah. podcast. I want you and, to be on season two. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Connecting educators. There we go. All right. So yeah. that'll be, that'll be awesome. It would be a huge pleasure and a, definitely an honor to collaborate with you on a podcast any day yeah. or collaborate on any project for that matter, you know, so I think uh, we definitely see eye to eye on a lot of things and uh, you know, yeah. that, would be, that would be great. So um, again, Natalie, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate uh, just the wonderful fun. conversation that we had just so it, fi it filled my bucket. It, it, you know, I am so definitely pumped right now because it was just a great, great conversation of how Absolutely. you've been able to do what you do online and especially working with special ed students and, um, you know, some of the things that you shared moving on to your instructional role, but in getting to know you a lot more, getting to know who Natalie Conway is outside of you know, work <laughs> and what yeah. drives you and your passions. And it's so great. Thank you so much just for this wholesome mm -hmm. conversation and, you know, it. I, I'm probably looking forward to listening to this again because it's so cool. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure yes. getting to know you better and being able to, I love talking about education and any day of the week, I will do this. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, guys, thank you though for those of you that joined us. Thank you, Lainey. I really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, let me see. She says here, you two are inspirational. You are both learning out loud and sharing so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Lainey, thank you so much. I know we've kind. never you've, we've never met or really like connected, like maybe like virtually. But I follow your stuff and I love it. Keep doing what you're doing. You are amazing. But so it really means a lot that you were able to, you, you actually stopped by the show. So it's so yeah. cool. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Lainey. And for all of you that are watching, those of you that may be uh, watching this later on on the replay, thank you so much again for making my EdTech life what it is today. As you can see, it's just genuine, wholesome talk, getting to know one another, connecting educators and creators one show at a time. So if you can please do me a favor, if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe to our channel. Uh, you can also check us out at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you will find this episode up shortly within about 25 minutes. You can check out the replay. You'll be able to check out the YouTube channel there. Give us a review, guys. I'm always looking for ways to definitely better, better my practice and bring you guys the best of me each and every Wednesday and Saturday. So drop us a line. Give us a review there on our page or you can contact us directly and we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback, we'll take it. Again, mm -hmm. I'm always willing to learn and I want to know what works for you what doesn't work for you, and we'll make it happen. All right, guys. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And Natalie, I hope to collaborate with you soon again. You take care. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Absolutely. Bye, you too. Bye.